Hi, and welcome to the Flywheel Film Show. I'm Austin, where I could fry a fucking egg on the hood of my fiesta in DFW, Texas. And I am Justin, living in the land of recording studios and still don't know how to operate a microphone in Nashville, Tennessee. Tonight, we explain what percentages are. We talk about our actual dream garage. And I personally thank Akio Toyota for all the sick automobiles his company is pumping out. First things first, though, you guys are probably wondering where I've been for the last five months. Getting married, technically, and now that's all over. I'm back, um, at least as long as my wife says I'm back. And Jordan's gone. Yes, we kicked him out. Europe, apparently. I don't yeah, think that's a good enough excuse to not be on the show. But No, but at least it's Italy and it's not France. Yeah, it could be much worse. Yeah, could be. Yeah, could be terrible. Yeah, what's he doing in Italy anyway? Uh, something with cars, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Some last minute thing that Kyle dragged him into. Probably booked his flight yesterday. No, I think he booked it as he was at the airport. Oh. Like it's the 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where you walk up to the counter and you just get your flight. (laughs) And you don't go through any metal detectors or anything. You just walk right onto the plane with With a set of steak knives and a shotgun. I bet the Cutco knives people just like flew to appointments back in the day with no problem. (laughs) Ah, yes. Well... Uh, today, I think we're gonna we're gonna do a few different things here. First one is I want to talk about the anecdote that red cars get more speeding tickets. Oh yeah, so this one's fun. Um, I'm really excited to share the truth that uh, that is just an urban legend, and according to my personal experience, dark blue Ford Fiestas are actually the most <laughs> ticketed cars on the road. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the uh, the gray Honda Accord um, is not on the list, thankfully. Although That's good. That's it good. Probably, probably should be. But actually, I know this is usually a misconceptions segment, but red cars, as a percentage, do get pulled over more often than any other color. Interesting. So the anecdote is true, because you said as a percentage. So let's, let's jump into a quick maths lesson with yes. Justin. Maths. Okay, so if you Google what cars get pulled over the most, everyone will say white. And that is accurate as far as volume is concerned. But the only reason that's true is because white cars are like 24% of the cars on the road. So nearly one-fourth of all the vehicles on the road are white. Which is sad. That's so sad. Yeah, Todd is just Todd crying. Is just crying right now. The top top four colors: white, black, gray, silver. Oh man, those combined make up roughly. Uh, let me do some quick math here. Roughly eighty percent, little what? less than eighty percent of all car that colors. Wow, I was gonna guess somewhere around fifty. That's nutty. Eighty uh-uh. percent are either are neutral colors. Coming in at number five is red. Roughly ten percent of cars are red. are blue, 1.4% are brown for good reason, (laughs) 0.7% of them are green, 0.4% are beige, also for good reason, and then it just goes down from there, orange, gold, yellow, purple. Yellow car is only 0.2% of the car population. That's shocking. Some of those numbers, like yellow and green for some reason, I guess I just... 
I wish that those numbers were higher because it's always so fun to see like a yellow or green car. But now that I think about it, very few car manufacturers offer super interesting colors, at least in high volume. They may have it as an option, yeah. but not something that most dealers will buy to like fill their lots with. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake, like brown should be at least <laughs> below green. That's, and orange. I would take an orange car over a brown car. I'm guessing that brown is entirely Lexus. <laughs> it's just Lexus. It's just Lexus. <laughs> Lexus and Buick, yeah. Yeah, beige beige and brown are entirely... <laughs> this This would be... I don't want to cover too... I don't want to spend too much time on this because this could be an entirely different uh, topic. Yeah. But I think discussing like why people choose certain colors and the fact that I think more unique cool colors will actually be a lot more common in the next five years because cars mm -hmm. are offering like very cool unique colors now that are extremely popular like if you look at like ford and toyota and all those like they're offering these super cool colors that are extremely yeah. desirable so maybe that number is changing maybe well and you're seeing now like more of you'll get the different colors but it's in more of like it's almost like in more of a neutral palette like you know you yeah. can have a blue car or you can have a slate blue yeah which is more yeah. like a bluish gray so i i think as car more car manufacturers will do that and we've talked about this on a previous podcast before too as electrification becomes the norm and there's going to be different there's going to have to be ways to differentiate your car from somebody else that has essentially the same drivetrain. Um, and so one of the ways you could do that could be, could be colors. Um, but yeah, so as a percentage of the population, getting back to our initial point, red cars do actually get pulled over more often than any other color because they only make up 10% of the total vehicles on the road. And according to this infographic from some website somewhere, um, they are about they are second as far as total citations about 14 percent oh sorry 16 percent of total traffic citations versus white which is only 19 percent so wow yeah 25 percent so of the cars are white and they only get 19 percent of the tickets 10 percent of the cars are red or 10 to 14 percent of the cars are red and they get 16 percent of the tickets so, so there's a 15 percent delta between the volume of cars on the road and only a three percent delta and the actual percent of citations. Yes. So that's substantial. That's very yeah. substantial. That is not nothing. Yeah. And the reasons for that are, you know, difficult to tell. Is it because they're easier to see? Is it because there's a conception in people's minds that like, oh, red cars are faster? Is it just because it draws your eye? Like if the policeman's trying to, you know, um, pull out, what's that? The radar, the radar detector? Yeah, the scanner. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering... Uh, Let's let's spend a minute on this because I my personal thought it stems from two main things. As a police officer, I'm sure that if there's a pack of monotone gray and white and black cars coming towards you, yeah, you're more likely to notice a red, probably sports car. I feel like a lot of the red That's cars true. are going to be sportier. But in the same token, I think as a driver of a red sports car, it might be a little bit easier to drive fast and think that i'm in a, a fast car so i need to drive it as such i don't know if i had to guess i think it'd be those things combined what's your educated guess i like your i like the herd mentality thing you were talking about so if you're a one red car driving in a sea of neutral cars so there's actually um when when lions i think it's when lions hunt when they hunt zebras 
um, they they can only hunt zebras if zebras aren't in the pack. If zebras are in the pack, they the alliance can't tell them apart. So there's just like one big lump of zebra. But <laughs> if one of the zebras gets separated or differentiated from the rest of the pack, the lions can take it down more easily. They can organize and then they can take down so the zebra. Our so consumer advice is don't be a red zebra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that was the reason they found that out were because I think these uh, these scientists or people were trying to figure out the, you know, trying to figure out something about zebras. Well, they ended up painting one of the like the zebras with like red paint or something oh and then they just and then they just got murdered by lions because the lions like hey there's that zebra with the red paint on it and they went for it so it may not I'm, have been red paint but i'm gonna play yeah. the devil's advocate here and i wonder if that zebra got chosen because in his mind he's freaking out because he got painted red and he yeah. just can't keep up with the other zebra <laughs> yeah or he's like he's like i'm super fast and he's just like running around yeah no, I think that differentiation is actually a big, big part of it. Because yeah, if eighty percent of the cars are white, black, gray, or silver, then there's one red car on the road. What are you going to notice? The red car, or the orange car, or the green car? But red is the most popular out of all the non-neutral colors. That's interesting. I think yeah, I think that distinction is important too. I would also be curious, and I'm sure you probably don't have these numbers in front of you, but what percentage of color makes up type of car? Because I would, mm. I would nearly positive that if you get a red car, there's a much higher percentage of it being something a little bit more on the sporty side. Um, well, yeah, because you don't want to like you don't want people to notice that you drive a Toyota Avalon. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if like if there's a higher majority of like red convertible Mercedes or red right. like Ferraris or what have you versus like monotone gray SUVs. Where I wonder sure. if that's a part of it too. Yeah, like kind of wanting to be noticed and those sportier cars have more sharp design and styling and it looks cool. And so like, what's the point of it looking cool if nobody looks at it? So more likely to paint it a different color so, besides just your normal neutrals. I, I So I actually found some numbers to help with this conversation Sweet. and we might be able to, to do some cross-examination here. Um, mm. So I have the top 10... Uh, vehicles that are likely to have speeding tickets based on the drivers so um this that will make a little bit more sense when i get into it but number 10 on the list is a nissan 350z where 14.65 percent of drivers have a speeding ticket i thought that'd be like at least number five i did too but then i thought 350z probably a wannabe drifter and they total their car before they can get a speeding (laughs) ticket um So if you work your way up the list, though, I'm just going to go down. I'm going to go from 10 to 1. So the the last one I say will be the highest percentage. We have Nissan 350Z, Dodge Charger, Dodge Ram 2500, Dodge Challenger, (laughs) (laughs) Hyundai Veloster, Dodge Dart, Infiniti G37, Subaru Impreza, Volkswagen GTI, and then at a whopping 20% of drivers that have speeding tickets, it is the Subaru WRX. Oh, that... No one's surprised at that. Yeah, no one's no, surprised not at, at that, all. But. Not at all. But here's here's another interesting thing, though, is when I look at a lot of the cars on this list, I see them very frequently in a color that is not white or gray. So like a Subaru WRX, Good I see point. a lot of blue, 
right? Blue is like the co- the color that car is known for. Yeah. Volkswagen GTI, they have a lot of cool colors for that car, but mm-hmm. I see a lot of like red ones. Same thing with the Infiniti G37. There is a lot of monotone because it is a luxury brand. Sure. But there are definitely some reds out there. Same thing with the Hyundai Veloster. Red is a big color and blue is a big color on that one as well. So I think there might be some kind of correlation between how the faster, more fun cars, you're almost more likely to buy it in a color that is eye-catching because that's half the reason you're buying the car. You know, you want to be seen in it. You know what I'm really surprised, though, is that the Nissan Altima isn't at like 50%. Yeah, that makes me question the validity of this list. (laughs) Um, But I also know that they're so fast that cops probably can't catch them. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) You can't get a speeding ticket if you're doing mock Jesus. Yeah. Or same a principle to the 350Z where they're all just wrecked. <laughs> yeah, can't also get a speeding ticket if you're wrapped around a tree. Because I don't know if it's technically a speeding ticket if it turns into a high-speed chase and you get arrested. Oh, that's a good point. That's 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 just a felony. <laughs> I, need to, a, I need to see if there's a, a list of uh, felonies per driver and see... <laughs> Oh man, we yeah that might that might be a scary list to look at. Um, <laughs> but speaking of a non-scary list to look at, let's move on to our next segment called "My Dearest." And this week it is going to be "My Dearest, Mr. Toyota." So this segment is when we talk to car vehicle CEOs, people who run car manufacturers, and we tell them what we want. Well, if you look <laughs> at the list of Toyotas. I can't think of anything that I want. They're they're doing everything. We we have a manual uh, eighty six. Yep. We have a manual Supra now. Oh yeah. Upcoming that's... upcoming they have the new special edition GR eighty six. It's supposed to be coming out twenty twenty three. Special edition Forerunner, which nobody really cares about that because it's still got the same drivetrain from fifty years ago. But <laughs> it looks cool. Yeah, still looks good. Um, and then the GR Corolla. That's new. I don't, the they new don't have that hottest commodity. It's not in dealer lots yet, but they've been doing all of like the media stuff with that. Mm-hmm. And that one is extremely exciting because it's manual, all-wheel drive. I think it's the same three-cylinder turbo or a very similar three-cylinder turbo to what we could have got in the GR Yaris. Um, mm, but since we didn't get that, this we didn't is get nice. that. So there's a lot of things. I appreciate you thanking Mr. Toyota, but um, I'm gonna. I have a laundry list I'd like to cover for Mr. Toyota. <laughs> of course, of course you do. Course. Um, so the Supra is great. The GR Corolla is great. Um, the GR86 is also fantastic. But I am a little bit of a Toyota fanboy. My first fun car I had was a Toyota Celica. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show before if you are a recurring listener, which I don't know if we have any of those yet. Um, (laughs) Just me. (laughs) But I want to see a Celica come back. I saw a, uh, an article saying that Toyota went in and they like reserved the future rights to that name or they like renewed the copyright. I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh yeah. It was like last year, wasn't it? Or two years ago? It was, it was fairly recently that they did that, which makes me, hopefully optimistic that maybe they'll bring sure. something back hopefully not a crossover with the silicon name oh god and then the mr2 is another thing where I, I just think it'd be so cool they don't have any uh super cool convertibles right now i don't think toyota actually sells any convertibles if i'm no, I don't unless think if do. you count the lc 500 
Um, and there's talks of it potentially having the uh, Supra with a, a Targa, which would be awesome. That would be pretty um, cool. I take that. But I just think like a, a small, fun, chuckable like sports car that could be compared against like a Miata. There's, yeah. I think there's a market for that. And the MR2 would be super cool to see that name come back. I'd love to see a hot Silica come back because they mm-hmm. brought back the GR4 is like what they're calling the all-wheel drive system and the okay. Yaris and the Corolla. Okay. And the Toyota Celica GT4 was the rally homologation special for the Celica back in the 90s and the 80s. So I, I would love to see that because like the architecture is there, you know what I mean? Yeah, but but now we're looking at, you know, like five sporty cars in their lineup and that's like equal to half as many SUVs as they have and that's just that's just no, not the, the ratio, ratio it's definitely the definitely it's unique that they have as many fun cars that they yeah. do right now and we're probably not going to get any more so I, I my requests are probably going to be entirely in vain which is fine um but I would just love to see these cool other cars come back and let's be honest I would love to see the forerunner get the same treatment that the Tundra just got where they refresh the drivetrain and the aesthetics of it because Forerunner's been running strong with that same V6 for, I don't know, like at least yes. a decade at this point. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, yeah, was it six-speed um, or no, five-speed automatic and yeah, V6. I don't, I don't know how in the world it's still, I mean, it's tried and true for sure, but that's something I'd like to, I'd like to see updated. And maybe they'll do something for the 40th anniversary. Who knows? I um, think bottom line though, Toyota, I think has heard their consumers and they mm-hmm. are they had a probably what i would imagine was a better response to the supra than what they anticipated hence yeah. why they're pumping out a manual version of it and yep. then the gr corolla they're just like they're they're listening and they're kind of becoming that that really awesome name in the in the enthusiast car market that they used to have which it's yeah. been a solid 15 20 years since we've had a really really like solid Toyota fun car lineup. I would say late nineties was the last time that we really had that. Yeah. Yeah. And with the Toyota styling, I mean, I, 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 I'm hopeful that they're holding on to the Celica name for, you know, for something. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see like an MR2 convertible, um, something like you said, to rival the Miata. I think that'd be really fun. And then, you know, maybe I, and one that I could fit in preferably. So if they make it like <laughs> in, like two inches longer then i'll take it yeah i i just think it'd be so cool i mean if they stuck with the mid-engine uh layout that they had in the last mr2 it right. could even be like a cayman or a boxster competitor if we're being honest if that they do would be cool well enough with it um yeah but yeah i don't know i just i had to know if they'd have to get rid of something else though in the lineup to make room for that what what would you want to see go that's tough. That is tough. I lean towards the 86. Same. Well, I mean, <laughs> out of the sports cars, honestly, I'd be like, I'll just get rid of the Corolla. Not not the GR Corolla. Just get rid of uh, <laughs> the, the standard sedan. Corolla. Yeah, just get get rid of the hybrids. Get rid of the Venza. <laughs> no you know, more get rid Camry. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, if we're talking about sport, I'd probably get rid of the 86 because I feel like the Supra, you know, kind of does the same thing just for a bit more money. And so if you're looking for a different driving experience, 
you know, you can throw a mid-engine MR2 in the lineup as opposed to the GR86. And the 86, I mean... It's half Subaru, know. but I mean, yeah. the Supra is half BMW. BMW. I'm yeah. probably more than half, but... <laughs> yeah. 55%. <laughs> but, all right, well, I had to nerd out. I am... Uh, <clears throat> I'm content with what Toyota is doing, as are a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, and I would like to one day own a GR Corolla, but um, that may or may not be something I do, depending on what that aftermarket looks like. If it's, if it's anything like what we've seen here recently with like the Civic Type R's, Focus RS, Veloster Kona N, those cars have gone nuts in value. And yeah. the over asking or over list price um dealer markups are bonkers on the desirable fun car so i'm that yeah. worries me about my chances of having one with a few years depreciation i feel like that's not something we're seeing with the current car market. right exactly you're almost better off just getting a new one and then you know eating what little depreciation you have yourself but. exactly but let's talk about real dream garage and when i say real dream garage um what cars you'd like to maybe have in the next like five to 10 years, let's leave, let's say five years. Yeah. So it's a very realistic, give the people an idea of, of what you would like to have. And dream garage is not just a car for yourself. We are both married. So let's talk yeah. about what we would like to have our spouses drive to. Cause let's be real. We have an idea of what we want them to try. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, so I'm thinking. I mean, I got a couple different couple different ideas. If I can hang on to my Honda Accord for a while, like that's a good car just to like have, and then you know use like on the days when I need to take kids somewhere. And then if I can keep that, no payments, you know, keep the maintenance relatively low. Get Megan a new car. She wants an SUV. I I drove. We're not going to get anything too fancy honestly i think she'll really like the kia telluride once we get to the point of actually driving mm. driving them around um unless something new you know pops up and is really good the top three that we currently have are the kia telluride uh the toyota rav4 um and the ford explorer the ford explorer i'm not too crazy about but her family has grown up on ford so that stuck in the list the um the the forerunner was on there. Speaking of forerunners, we had the forerunner on the list, but because of that outdated drivetrain, it ended up getting knocked off. Yeah. Uh, fuel economy isn't as good, and especially nowadays, like that, we're a bit more conscious of that. Rav Four doesn't have as much space, so I'm I'm thinking just for ride and for looks and for functionality. I mean, the Kia Telluride is essentially on a on a minivan platform, yeah. so it's hard to get more functional than a minivan, and because it doesn't look like a minivan. Uh, she'll be all right with driving it. So if you like Kia, the Explorer looks, I think the Kia Sereno would be another interesting one to throw on the list. That one also was on the list, and I think that one got knocked off because of space. So we kept mm, the Rav Four yep. because we kept the Rav Four because I guess really just more for diversity of make. Um, so we had two Kias, two Toyotas, and a Ford on there, and the. Yeah, Forerunner got knocked off, and the Sorrento got knocked off just because of space. And so we kept the Telluride and the RAV4, even though the RAV4 and the Sorrento are pretty 
uh, pretty comparable. You so, can get the RAV4 in the hybrid, though, which kind of puts that in an entirely other league in fuel economy compared to the other ones. So. That is that is true, and we did discuss that a little bit. I want to look into it a bit more. Um, I, I want to look into it a bit more because... I think they have a regular hybrid, and then don't they also have a plug-in hybrid version? They do. So the Prime is the plug-in hybrid. I've driven the regular hybrid in the most recent uh, generation, and it is phenomenal. Um, it is super good. But I've heard the Prime is even better, but they're really? also about worth their weight in gold now because they are yeah. so good, and I'm pretty sure you get the tax credit with that as well. So it knocks the price down a decent amount. So, yeah, I... I I agree. It's definitely nowhere near in the same realm as far as interior space. If you compare it to like the Kia Telluride or the Ford Explorer, because you don't have that third row availability. You're right. But what it lacks in that, it might be able to make up for in in fuel economy with with the Prime or the hybrid. Yeah, and I I think one thing is is we'll just have to actually go and take a look at it because I don't think she realizes how much space you can get in a two row SUV with the seats down. Yep. Um. So, but anyway, so that I I'm kind of keeping the Kia Telluride at the top of the list for now. And then for me, if I was to hang on to my Honda, um, I'm very big about only having one car payment so if we're paying on the telluride which would probably be new or nearly brand new yep. then i would probably try to save up and get like some cheap two-door sports car i still look at saturn skies occasionally <laughs> uh and so i i might look at something like that or um if we if i was to get rid of the honda and trade it in uh, a few years down the road after we paid off the telluride then i would look at um the new Mazda three hatchback turbos. Yep. Um, those look really good. Um, and I'd, I'd consider something like a GR Corolla, although I'm not a huge fan of the rear end styling. Yep. Um, but something like that, like, like maybe a hot hatchback, but honestly those Mazda threes, they um, look so good. If you you look at the Mazda three and compare it to the GR Corolla, I think, if you had like a focus group, probably nine out of ten people would say the Mazda three looks better. Oh yeah, and if 100%. you're okay to not have a manual transmission, because I think to get the turbo in the Mazda three and get all wheel yes, drive, you can't I think get a you cannot get a manual. That is correct. But I've heard their automatic is good, and I think for a one car or I guess a two car solution, I can't think yeah. of a better, like more practical, refined but still fun daily driver. But if you were to do a three-car solution, I think a Sky or like a Miata or even like we were talking about MR2s earlier, even like an yeah. MR2 something. But there is the height thing for you, which I know yeah. is a limiting factor to a lot of those like small, fun Gosh, sports so cars you look tall. at. <laughs> so hard being tall. But yeah, but you, yeah, with the um, with the Mazda 3, I'd be fine with the automatic because it's still, it's still fun. It's got that turbo and also because I'd be dailying it. And with traffic the way that it is, I'd, I'd prefer to not have to drive a manual yep. every day. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, I think that is a fantastic list for a two or three car solution. But like you said, by the time you all are looking to replace the current cars you have, whenever that whatever five year mark else. comes down the road, there could be some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I've been, I think about this all the time. Uh, I'm always looking at cars as you and Jordan know very well. Um, but here lately I have, uh, been thinking about Porsches, um, mm. a lot. <laughs> I <laughs> like too much, <laughs> like probably too much. 
Um, I like small cars, and I I don't think in five years that I will be making nine eleven money. Um, which if you don't, if you're not into cars, you don't understand. There's a Porsche model called nine eleven. Um, <laughs> people people are like, hold on, what the hell does this have to do with? September 11. What is it like? Is he talking 2003 with no inflation? Like, what are we looking at now? Um, <laughs> like, you, yeah. I am not so making confused. Porsche 911 money in five years. At least I, it'd be cool to, but I realistically don't know that I'll be able to afford a car payment of that stature uh, within five years comfortably. Justin, I'm like you. I like to have only one car payment at a time, and I like it to be a payment that I can manage very easily. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I really hope to be making enough money in five years, whatever to buy a Porsche Cayman, preferably a nine, eight, seven, I believe it's the nine, eight, seven point two, which is the first mm. generation of the Cayman, but the second version of the first generation, which I believe started in 2009. Uh, they had some reliability issues that they fixed and they're around like on the cheaper side around 30k on the higher side depending if you get one that's a little bit newer a little bit nicer like it came in s you'd be looking yeah. at like the 40s um yeah. i think that would hopefully be doable um but this is also subject to change it'll probably be different next week um but i, I love the idea of owning a porsche cayman just because i've heard they drive phenomenally i've never actually got behind the wheel of one um, there's so, a Cayman S in your uh, blue. Looks very like Kona metallic. Yeah, there's blue a very similar blue to mine, which I would probably gravitate towards because I love blue cars. Sixty-eight thousand miles in manual. Uh, oh no, sorry, already sold. My yeah. bad. What it sell for? Do you know? Uh, Forty-one five. Okay, yeah, that 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 checks out. A, yeah. What year? Yeah, that was a. Uh, what year was it? Didn't say. I want to say it was a. 2012, 2012 okay. KMS. Yeah, that's that's a that's actually a really good deal. Whoever got that, good job. So um, bring a trailer. So uh, okay, uh. Um, maybe a little bit high then. Maybe a little bit high yeah. on price. Um, so that would be probably my like aspirational. I'd like to own within five years. Um, that's nice. And the additional car would, I think, would pair super nicely. Would be a Volvo C40 or a Polestar. Like an electric Volvo, I just think it would be so cool yeah. because it's kind of on like the contrarian side of electric cars of like, yeah. there's a lot more electric cars that make more sense. Like sure. Tesla for charging infrastructure and range right. or a, a Ford or a Chevy for cost. But on a pure like just cool to own, has a cool interior, all of that. I think the Volvo is just so cool. Um, yeah, those look really good. And after watching uh, Kyle drive one in, where is he? Sweden, Norway. Somewhere. Yeah, wherever they're uh, made. <laughs> um, yeah, wherever Volvo is. Um, <laughs> I was really impressed, especially with the new updates they did to the uh, to the drivetrain and to the battery itself. Because I know the the original one was kind of underpowered in yep. in your in the hybrid mode. They kind of they fixed that. So. Um, they look really good and yeah, I'd, I'd like them cause I'm like, Oh, it'd be really nice if we had an electric or a hybrid car, but I, I don't like many of the electric or hybrid cars outside of Tesla's and Tesla's are just absolutely insane in price Yeah, right now. Yeah. So Volvo's are similar to Tesla's, but you still get the full tax credit from my understanding. Um, oh, yeah. and I've driven the XC40 recharge. That's the only fully electric Volvo that I've driven. 
and it was just awesome. It was so cool. Like yeah. the build quality in those things is phenomenal. You feel like you're in a very well-made car. Um, where Tesla's, I gotta be honest, you don't always get that same sense. Yeah. Um, working there, I, I experienced it firsthand. I know it's gotten a whole lot better since my early years there, but um, I don't know. That's just like in my mind, opening up the garage and seeing a Porsche came in next to like an electric Volvo. I just think that's yeah. such a cool combo. Um, yeah. It's tough though for that to be a perfect two car solution because my wife and I do road trips so much. Road mm. tripping in a Volvo wouldn't, an electric Volvo wouldn't be ideal because they don't have the best yeah. charging infrastructure or charging speed. Um, okay. So I, I still like, I like to think we're hopefully getting a Ford Maverick in the next year or so, and we'll be getting a hybrid. And that to me is one of the ultimate road trip vehicles. And I think just a great all around car to have. Um, yeah, so maybe sure. in this uh, hypothetical scenario, um, it would be a Ford Maverick, Volvo, whatever, C40, XC40, Recharge, Polestar, whatever, and a Porsche Cayman. I think that would be an insane three-car solution. That would be a great three-car solution. And, um, yeah, you don't have a massive don't have a massive truck or a massive SUV like It's a very manageable of the, size yeah. of three-car solution. You're not looking exactly. at anything nuts. So Yeah, you don't need a four-car garage to fit your three cars in it. You just need a regular three-car garage. Yeah, maybe leave the or maybe a two car garage. Leave the Maverick outside. Uh, yeah, I'd probably leave the Maverick outside. <laughs> yeah, it's a truck. It can handle it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it would be like probably half the value at that point of the Porsche sure. or the Volvo. So I like, I really right. wouldn't feel too bad. Maybe I get a carport if I really liked it and it yeah. was still in good shape. But no, by that time you're already hauling mulch and gravel <laughs> and stuff with it. So well, maybe not hauling. Maybe you're going to Lowe's and asking them to deliver it for you. But <laughs> It's a very realistic approach to home improvement, Justin. <laughs> Let me drive my truck to the store and then have them then not bring it back with me. <laughs> Come to the realization that if you bring it back, you have to unload it and you just don't want yeah. to do that. Yeah. And that your truck maybe can't actually carry it. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, well, I think that's a show. We'll uh, we'll make like a box on Christmas Eve and call it a wrap. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. If you have questions, corrections, stories, or, you know, opinions about the economy or other things, feel free to hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, even email. That's theflywheelfilms at gmail.com. Yeah, if you enjoy the show, maybe you'll like our other things as well. We do have uh, Instagram and YouTube uh, with the majority of our content. We are getting a lot more posts to Instagram lately. Um, Shout out, Justin. Um, but you can find us at Flywheel Films on Instagram and, of course, at Flywheel Films on YouTube. Um, Jordan isn't here, but you can always find his Miata at ghosty.miata. Uh, my Fiesta is on Instagram at kona.party.st. And while I am now running the Flywheel Films Instagram, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so you still have to send me printed photos in the mail with your <laughs> caption scribbled on them if you want to reach me. Thank you all for listening and goodbye. He's learning. <laughs> it's, it's he's learning, learning. <laughs> <laughs>